Yes, yes, people. Welcome to another edition of Eyes on the Ball TV. Um, we're back again. It's your host, Daniel and Darren. We got a very, very special guest again today. I'm sure you already know him because of our previous episode that we've had with him to do with the NBA. Um, he's slowly becoming our very young Brian Windhorst. I've been trying to push this agenda, so this is what I'm going to go with because <laughs> <laughs> of his insight and intel into the NBA. Um, but Joe, just introduce yourself once again, man. Yeah, so I'm Joe Holbert. I've covered the NBA uh, for about six years now. My first beat was the New Orleans Pelicans when they had Tyreek Evans, Omar Ashik, um, you know, those sort of guys. Um, I've covered the Miami Heat, but currently I cover mainly the Dallas Mavericks, sometimes um, a little bit of um, Minnesota Timberwolves, who are my team. Uh, that's the team I follow. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I kind of look at the tactical side of the game, mainly in sort of you know, player analysis. Yo, juicy, I'm in a battle like Vidich. Yeah, man, I got 90 minutes. I got my eye on the ball, but I see red on my right, no Kimmich. But if you reach this pocket, I'm going to see cards from Dean. That's a one-match ban from leagues, so I can't ride out for the team. So I can't ride out for the team. If they ask me who the goal is, I gotta say Nicholas Bentner. I oh, know I'm just joking, everyone knows that Messi is better. I'm trying to get my sterling up in this city, so civilly play. As soon as my child can walk, it's straight project Mbappé. Bun all the verbal, as soon as I hear that whistle, we get straight to the action. Come on, lads, where's the passion? Do like Alan Maxine, wear headbands for the fashion. If the defenders drop back, we counter and then attack them. I got my eye on the ball, I got my eye on the ball, yeah. Uh, I got my eye on the ball. Uh, I got my eye on the ball. Yeah, I got my eye on the ball. Ooh, I got my eye on the ball. Hundred percent. So we're looking forward to today's episode. We're gonna do a bit of um, what we call EOTB's the hot seat, and it's gonna be a very, very interesting episode today. I'm gonna swing it over to Darren. He's gonna break down what we're doing today, and we're gonna get straight into it. For sure, man. It's going to be a good one. Uh, it's been. It was a wild off season. This is obviously our first um, reaction to all the moves that have been made. Um, one of the wildest um, free agencies in NBA history. So it's going to be a lot of takeaways. So what we're going to do is grade not every team, but a majority of the leagues um, off season, and um, of getting to some of the storylines within each team. So um, yeah, man, we can get cracking straight away. We'll start with the West. And uh, Sony writes to start with their reigning champs. They made some serious moves this offseason. Um, obviously, leaving Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee, Danny Green, um, Rondo, Avery Bradley, a lot of um, key pieces that have left, but they replaced them with, you know, Schroeder, Montres, Schroeder by trade, signed uh, Montres Harrow in free agency, signed um, Marcus Gasol, re signed KCP, re signed um, Markeith Morris. So, um, Joe, mate, what, um, what grade would you give the Lakers and um, how likely is it that they repeat as the champs? Uh, I'd give them an A+. Plus. I think they had the best off-season of anyone. Um, obviously, bringing Morris KCP back was big. I like the Schroeder addition. I think he's... I don't think he's going to repeat the shooting efficiency he did with OKC just because I think OKC, he was the third best guard on that team. So when they went with three guard lineups, he was playing against the weakest defender, um, 
whereas now he'll be against probably the second best guard defender. So I don't, and also I just don't buy that he's a you know, a shooter at the level he showed this year. Uh, but the pickup I like a lot is Wes Matthews. I think he had a really good season for Milwaukee. They kind of had to let him go because Milwaukee needed a creator rather than just a spot-up shooter. But his defense was excellent, and he had, I believe he defended more All-Stars last year than any other player. So he was yeah. Milwaukee's guy to go against, you know, Doncic, uh, Bradley Beal, yeah, LeBron, uh, Kemba, all those, you know. Not anybody, really. Yeah. Yeah, he, and he's always been a good defender. He had an Achilles injury back in 2016, which set him back a bit. But uh, they had a good off-season. And, you know, I've been critical of Montrezl Harrell. But I think if the, the problem with the Clippers was they had other bad defenders. The Lakers, other than maybe Kyle Kuzma, and I don't actually think he's that bad defensively, has at least got some size. Yeah. They've got enough guys who can cover him. Whereas when he was with Lou Williams, that's just too really awful defenders so I, I like the pickup he gives them certainly a regular season player i'm interested to see if he can do it in the playoffs uh, next to ad sort of in short bursts mm-hmm. for sure i think, um, I think daniel your thoughts bro yeah no nah, even to add to that i mean there's so much to dissect in terms of the lakers but to try and keep it short and sweet i think one of the biggest questions about Montrez Harrell in terms of the tangible, so the actual playing side of things, is you couldn't have him down the stretch because obviously he's not really the greatest shooter and then also he's not really a rim protector. So you having him at the five wasn't the greatest um, or wouldn't he wouldn't be part of the greatest lineup and he wouldn't be really effective. But com- coming into the Lakers, when you play him at the five, maybe AD at the four, maybe they're switching four and five. You've got AD who's a great, defender, rim protector, you've got all of that. And Harold can really focus on his offensive side because I think people, like, not that people are sleeping on it, but he is a very, very good offensive player. Like, he really Bro. creates his own... Just to throw in a stat, fourth in the league yeah. in points in the paint. Do you exactly. know impressive that? Very, very impressive for an undersized centre. And he gets his shot in terms of his post moves, he's very good at getting to the rim. He's very good at offensive rebounds as well. So even when he goes up for his shot, if he misses, he's very, very aggressive in crashing the board and getting it back up again. And I think that's very, very key for the Lakers because one thing I would say about the Lakers, maybe sometimes that we doubted, till obviously it got to the playoffs, was is there an aggression about the team? Are, are we a bit too soft? Maybe maybe we can go a bit harder. And I think in the regular season now, we can really dominate and step on people's necks and go into the playoffs again with that kind of that same kind of attitude, that same kind of rigor. I think um, the Rondo loss. Obviously, we really wanted to keep Rondo, but it was almost impossible because he would have wanted to get paid. But I think Schroeder is definitely the next best thing in terms of getting a Rondo. Because of course, when you look at LeBron teams now, LeBron is building a team to be successful in the playoffs. That's what he's building a team that's definitely going to win him a ring. And I think with Schroeder. It's going to be interesting to see how his game can translate from the regular season, which he's a very good regular season player, to the playoffs. Because now he's going to be called upon in big moments, high leverage moments. He's going to he's going to have more responsibility. Yes, he might not be the, one of the best players on the team per se. However, he's going to have more responsibility. LeBron teams, role players have more responsibility. They're required to do their job and do it effectively. But of all the pickups, I think... And he's, he's, I think of all the pickups and the one that's going on the radar is the one Joe mentioned, Wesley Matthews, man. Someone who can take on the opposing team's best player 
is is a gem in any team. And when the guy who can take on the opposing team's best player isn't necessarily your best player, the sky's the limit for you. Because look at LeBron and AD. They can now they can concentrate so much on doing other things where they don't even have to take on the opposing team's best player unless maybe Wesley Matthews is struggling on a night and then LeBron and AD can say, all right, we'll take this guy for tonight. Do you get what I'm saying? And this is what is so key. Look at in the playoffs what was happening with the Heat, the Nuggets. When guys were getting hot, it was switching. LeBron would say, let me take him. AD would say, let me take him. And that's what's key. And you add a guy like Wesley Matthews to that, into the mix, into the equation, a quality quality defender. Um, I think, I think, I think it's, you. when you're predicting who's going to win the chip as squads currently, or as rosters currently con- constructed now, it's the Lakers v. the rest, man. I, I literally cannot see a team who is constructed perfectly to take down the Lakers. And that's just how I see it right now. Yeah, for sure. I think you both made a lot of good points. Um, I, I'm guessing you gave them an A plus, Daniel. <laughs> a plus. I forgot. A plus. Yeah. A plus. I mean, the but, only um, question, just to throw, just to throw this in there. Obviously, Joe can answer, and then Darren, you can answer this as well. Just to throw this in there, the only intangible you could say is that maybe. Um, what do you think about the idea of Harold maybe causing unrest? Because one of the biggest things in the Laker locker room last year was just the feel-good factor. Everyone was feeling good. McGee, even the guys who weren't playing. But Harold was obviously a big player, a big personality, and he's going to want minutes. And a lot of these guys are going to want minutes. So what do you think in terms of that aspect of the side? Go ahead, Joe. Um, I don't... One of my issues with the clip is in the bubble. I mean, we've all seen the clip of Harold laughing at um, Michael Kidd Girl Christmas in the shot. That kind of level of disrespect uh, doesn't go down well with a lot of people. I don't think it would go down well with LeBron. So I just don't think he will be allowed to cause unrest because Doc Rivers lost control of that locker room, in my opinion. Um, Lost control of the entire team, which is exactly why he was fired and Ty Lue um, has come in to coach that team. Yeah, I can see why people would maybe think that, but I just don't think he's going to be allowed to. I think the playoffs brought him back down to earth a bit, Harold. Like, he was... Well, he was unplayable. I mean, Zubac was miles better. Jermichael Green Jermichael probably Green. Yeah. should have had some more centre minutes. Um, yeah, I don't think it will be allowed to happen. I think now we know his flaws. We know the kind of player he is. And, you know, hopefully that will work out for the Lakers. Yeah, I think Joe's right, man. Um, uh, Doc Rivers definitely lost a locker room. Um, and also to add to that there was a leadership void as far as the players as well we know Kawhi is not a leader he's not a big personality he's saying goes for Paul George so and those guys had been there before Paul George and Kawhi even got there you know Patrick Beverly, Lou Will Montrez and that's where the whole culture of laughing at other players and trying to you know move as if they were a championship team when they never were I think um, Montrez knows that he's joining a championship team and he wasn't on that team so he has no right to come in and, you know, demand minutes or demand whatever. Also, he came in um, free agency rather than trade. So he knows the roles that he's going to have. You know, um, it's obviously going to be matchup based, especially because now that um, we have Mark Gasol. So he's probably going to start. Montrez will get um, his probably usual minutes, but off the bench. But um, And obviously, the, LeBron's the leader in that locker room. There's no way that... And LeBron already has a relationship with Montrez, so I trust Montrez not to step out of line in that instance. But um, just to make my last point on the Lakers' moves, um, I'll come from a you know um, cr- critical um, standpoint. I think 
Rondo played the um the playmaker, the backup playmaker role perfectly in the playoffs. Obviously, regular season was kind of dry. But in the playoffs, he played such a great role. Like he only took the shots that were given to him. Um, my question with Schroeder is or what I want from him is to get his playmaking up, to get his assists up, and his scoring is probably going to come down. Like He's not going to average 19 a game on the Lakers, but I want to see him get his playmaking up because we know Kyle Kuzma's values from the fact that he's a scorer. Montrez's values, the fact that he's a he's, he gets buckets as well, and those guys are going to be in the second unit with Schroeder. So um, I think he's going to need to um, improve his playmaking, but... Um, yeah, man, you have to give the Lakers an A+. But quickly, just so that we yeah, we don't want to spend too long on the Lakers, but I think what is so key about what the Lakers have done, especially in free agency, and the reason, I think the main reason why I'm giving them an A+, is because the biggest issue for the Lakers, in my opinion, was when LeBron was off the court. So when LeBron was off the court, the bench scoring dramatically decreased. And that was only in the regular season, by the way. In the it's, playoffs, to be fair, Mark it, LeBron, yeah, Rondo, yeah, yeah. Rondo, Rondo showed up. Exactly. But the thing is, you want to maybe go into the playoffs. You know, when the Warriors went into, so the, when the Warriors were having their regular season and going into the playoffs, they went in with the, with, with a certain kind of confidence where no one could, like you couldn't even really see the weakness in the Warriors team. Um, what the Warriors weakness probably was, was if it happened with them. So it, it's all about them rather than, um, what other teams are doing exactly what other teams are doing or the tactics that are are deployed the same thing can go with the Lakers like I really think as current and I keep saying this because I just don't see what else is out there apart from obviously Harden going to the Nets and that I just don't see what else is out there for the Lakers to really go. They, the Lakers can really go on a run here in the playoffs where they maybe lose only one game and I, I honestly believe that because I just don't see a squad or a roster a set of players a team that can really go up against this team and give them the match that they deserve. Because it's like the Lakers, who, as champions, have gone out and been aggressive, but everyone else has just rested on their laurels for some reason. And I don't really understand that. Yeah, and uh, moving on to the next team, it's perfect. a uh, perfect segue. A team that should be trying to, you know, be out there making moves, um, trying to catch up with the Lakers, if not surpass the Lakers, is the Clippers. Supposed to be the biggest threat. And... Um, Personally, I don't think they've done much in free agency. You know, they signed um, Sergio Barker, obviously. They um, traded for Luke Kennard and they um, re-signed Marcus Morris. Um, but what grade would you give the, um, the Clippers, Daniel? And um, how, how do you feel about them in terms of, a, you know, pursuit of a championship? Um, the Clippers, I give them... I'm yet to see because obviously free agency is not done. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I still want to give them a chance because I do think there are moves out there that they could make that could be interesting and give them a different dynamic and a different flex. And what you have to remember is they still have Kawhi and Paul George. So really and truly what you're doing is you're fitting pieces around them. Like That's more time, the easier way to build your squad. You have your stars already. Now get your pieces. Um, but I give it a C plus. The reason why I give it a C plus and not a D so why they've still passed for me is the Serge Ibaka move. I think getting Serge Ibaka, getting someone like him. Um, me and me and Mo argued on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it, um, Darren or Joe. We argued on Twitter because he was saying Aaron Baines would have been the better option. But I actually think Serge Ibaka, the fact that he can rim protect, I think in there, in what Zubac lacks, Ibaka can provide so much more at the five position. Zubac isn't the greatest defender, isn't the greatest rim protector for his height and everything. 
Ibaka comes in and does that. He stretches the floor. He he he. I think that was another problem with the Clippers as well. For all their talent, the floor wasn't stretched. It was all congested. It wasn't it wasn't fluid. And I think Ibaka provides that as well. Kawhi's got a relationship with Ibaka, and I think one of the key things that um, NBA teams or when people are discussing um, NBA teams who are going for championships, what think what what people don't take into account of or give enough credit to is chemistry. Players who have played together and what have won together, they 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 hit it off instantly. And Kawhi and Ibaka, they're they're good friends and they know how each other plays. Ibaka is a voice. He he is a leader. He's something they've been lacking. They don't have voices. They don't have many leaders. Now, if you add a point guard who has that same kind of ilk as Kyle Lowry, where he isn't too obsessed with his own ego and comes in and does the job, then the Clippers become a serious threat. Let's let's not get it twisted. Kawhi is still a great player. And Paul George, when the pressure is off, is still a great player as well. And I think Kawhi can carry the load when he's not... Um, being asked to also play make and also if he if Kawhi concentrates on his scoring and on his defending then the Clippers have a very very good team there because if they bring in a playmaker now you have a very very stretched floor with Kawhi, Paul George, Ibaka, um, maybe you play Canard um, and, and, and then you have a point guard do you get what I'm saying so I, I give them a C plus just because of the Ibaka move because I think that's the platform to making that not marquee, but important piece to obviously challenging for the chip. A lot of ifs and buts. Of course, and maybes. it's because free agency is not over, so it's difficult. I know, to I know, of, I know. Yeah, but yeah, yeah as of now, sad. anyway, as of now. And and if we're being honest, ideally they would have already uh, already already understood that they need a point guard um, yeah. and already addressed it. But you know the I'm recent saying? reports are saying that they've got a a move in the works. But I'll see what Joe thinks of that. Yeah, Joe, uh, how, how do you feel about the Clippers, man? I like the Ibaka pickup. I think he took a little bit of a step back defensively, but he spaces the floor. Uh, he could probably play a bit of the five with how long the Clippers are at the two, three and four positions. Um, I'm actually kind of intrigued by Luke Kennard. He's a guy I've liked for a while. I mean, he obviously is always going to get the, he was taken over Donovan Mitchell treatment. Mm. Um but he's a good shooter. He's a good off-the-movement shooter. Uh, he's like a better version of Landry Shamit, in my opinion, yeah. with probably a little bit more defensive potential. Uh, Shamit doesn't do a lot on that end. Um, I just think the question I always ask people who are critical of them is what could they have done? You know, what were the realistic moves that the Clippers could have made to get a higher grade or to you, bridge you, the gap well, a little bit One more. thing I'd suggest or one thing I'd say they could have done, um, potentially a signing trade, um, including Montrez, because letting Montrez leave for nothing, that that is, that's that's a tough, that's a bad move, especially when you let him go to the Lakers, you know? Yeah, they might have got a nice little role player. Um, yeah, I guess you could be somewhat critical of that, but, uh, you know, there's obviously all the Bradley Beal talks, Drew Holiday. I don't think they ever had enough to get Drew Holiday. If you look at what the Bucks gave up, was it three first-round picks and two pick swaps? Yeah, and the Clippers got no picks left. Yeah, so I don't know what they realistically could have done. I give them like a C plus. I mean, just because they couldn't do a lot doesn't mean their off-season was good. Uh, but I think they did okay. You know, Ibaka, Ibaka will help. Canard will help. Um Morris is kind of an annoying player, but he is good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not you can't really argue against him being good. You know, he can hit threes. He's a 
rangy defender. Um, How do you feel about the contract they gave him? Over, overpaid or you think they had to do it? I think that's about what he's worth, to be honest. And it, it, it's tradable as well. You know, it, yeah. it's... I, d- I think he's a player that people will want. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs, obviously, before he went to the Knicks, wanted him, which yeah. is surprising given his personality and how that would mesh with Greg Popovich. But I think he's a player that he's flexible. You can play him at the three, you can play him at the four. He can kind of do whatever you need him to. And I think players like that are in it's high demand. Yeah. People are yeah. always going to want them. Um, yeah, I, I think they did okay. I just don't think they've done enough to bridge the Lakers but also the Lakers had a great off season yeah, and yeah. I don't think there's anything they could have done like the Wes Matthews pick up uh, is dirt cheap what they got him on and go didn't mention his Mark Gasol you know as well so I don't think there's much they could have done I think what they will hope is that this year the Kawhi George Morris how lengthy they all are disrupts the Lakers because obviously we never got to see them against the Lakers they might be a great matchup for them but we didn't know because they blew it against Denver so I think with the Clippers the step is to actually get into the series against the Lakers and hope that the way they're constructed can do a little bit more damage than they did last year I think Harold going is big because with him and Lou Williams on the court at the same time, all you need to do is run a pick and roll. It's what Dallas did in the first round. Yeah, they were just even guys like Trey Burke were killing them. So you imagine what LeBron James would do to that duo because that's what LeBron does now. He he just pick and roll. He, yeah, yeah he, he he go he wants the weakest defender. They'll run a little guard or ghost screen, and there you go. He's on your weakest defender, and he's going to work. So they're better constructed, but we've actually got to see them in the series. For sure. Um... Question to you, Darren, though, to answer, um, basically on the back of what Joe said. But having said all of that with the pieces that they have made, and obviously then you can give your grade as well, um, all in one. The like the the idea that it's all about the Lakers. Don't you think this has been the downfall of the Clippers? The idea that it's the Lakers you need to beat. It's the Lakers when really and truly. The Suns are now back. That's why they lost the to the Suns Nuggets. Are, the Suns are in the mix. The Nuggets are still there. You've got the Mavs, who <laughs> are definitely a dangerous team, who really and truly, you know me and you have said, if 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 Paul Zingas didn't get injured, I think they could have got knocked out earlier. I think they would have been knocked out earlier with the way the series was going. So if that's my question to you. Like, again, if the season happens and they do not play the Lakers, is that team enough to beat these... I won't even call them bogey teams because I want to give them respect, but these teams that could really put a thorn in you. Um, I think it's a, it comes down to the leadership and uh, the coaching aspect. I'll say um, Ty Liu is not an upgrade. Actually, because you know, I don't want to disrespect Doc Rivers, but I feel like Ty Liu just brings something different to the table. He's not going to say or allow you know the locker room to you know, go in a direction that it shouldn't be to where, you know, the Lakers is the only thing on their mind or guys are load managing through the season and, you know, and not practicing or playing games. I just think Tyloo will have them better prepared for um for when the playoffs come. So I, I don't think they'll struggle or, you know, obviously there's going to be bad matchups, but I don't think they're, I think they're going to be better prepared this season than they were last season in terms of the other teams. Um, I'd just say... The thing that they're missing, I give them a C plus as well, similar to you guys. The thing that they're missing is a lead guard for me, man. They need to go and get um, a, a lead guard. Like you need, obviously, those guys are hard to find. Obviously, you brought up a Kyle Lowry, Daniel. Obviously, he's very expensive. It, it'll be tough to make a trade for a guy like that. 
Um, there was very few. Uh, Fred Van Vliet was one of the guys on the market, but obviously he's again very expensive. Um, but I just think that's something they need to address because there, there were two guys that I sort of had in mind. Um, yeah. I thought they should have gone for Ricky Rubio. I think if you've got three, what I would call one-on-one scorers in Morris, Leonard, and George, you want a playmaker who can facilitate exactly. to them. Uh, but Rubio's also, a good choice. Yeah, and Rubio's a good defender as well. So that defence with, you know, your three wings, then him and whether you pick a back or Zubac, that's a good defensive unit. But I still, I like George Hill there. He's taken a little bit of a step back, but I think he can, He, you know, the options aren't amazing. Okay, George okay. Hill is not going to strike fear into the Lakers, but I think he's better than what they've got. I mean, I was just remembering uh, Reggie Jackson and how awful he was in the playoffs, you know, just Terrible. kind of charging at the rim. No vision at all. I think yeah. a guy like Rubio or Hill, I'm not saying it necessarily moves the needle, but it fills that need of having someone who can facilitate the offense, but but also won't look for his own shot. He'll try and get others in the positions they want. So I still exactly. think they could they could have a look for a lead guard. I think there's some options out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think Rubio is definitely a great option, man, because even Lou Will, Lou Will's another guy that looks to score the ball. Do you know I mean, he's not trying to yeah. play and make for others either. So, um, uh, Rubio would definitely be a huge pickup for them. But the fund, uh, yeah, I think he's uh, he's with the funder now. Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's a matter of, and they've got George Hill as well, I believe. So, uh, are they gonna want? Oh no, Rubio's with the, the he got traded to the T Wolves, right? He's with you guys. Um, now. Yeah, yeah. I thought that they could have jumped in before we did. Um, yeah. You know, just I think he's very underrated. And I think. Every team he plays on, he makes better. You know, he was a big part of what the Suns did this year. Yeah, uh, it wasn't just Booker and Bridges and Aiton; it was Rubio as well. And yeah. they probably will tell you he, that. He so. was even a bit annoyed that he got traded. He said he found out on whilst he was on the treadmill or something like that. So, yeah, he definitely was an important piece. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll see what other moves the Clippers can make. But um, moving on to another team who I think had one of the more underrated off seasons in the league: um, the Portland Trailblazers. Um, they bring they trade for um Robert Covington, give up Ariza, bring back Cantor, um, sign Harry Giles, Derek Jones Jr., resign Rodney Hood, and resign Mello. So, um, Joe, what grade would you give the Blazers? Capped out, and they still made a lot of good additions. Yeah, I think if you put the context of the fact they were capped out, I'd give them like an A. I wouldn't give them an A plus just because I don't understand the Cantor move at all. Um, I just don't get that one. You know, they had Nurkic, still got Whiteside, and I think he's Collins. I forgot it. Collins, Harry Giles is interesting. I think people still hold on to the high school hype because he was an unbelievable high school player. Uh, he's yeah. he shows some flashes, but he's an awful defender. You know, I wrote a big piece on the Kings' offense, and he didn't jump off uh, the screen. As best way I could. Like best way I could describe it, but I love the Jones and Covington pickups because Portland's formula when they had on their last on the uh, conference finals team was they had their backcourt who were both you know great scorers, questionable defenders. You had the two defensive wings, and then you had a center. Rocco is probably the best defensive wing in the league, I would say. I think in terms of the way he disrupts the game, he's certainly up yeah. there. And Derek Jones. He was kind of interesting in Miami. He showed a lot of flashes, but I'd buy the flashes. I think he's a good wing. Yeah. I would imagine they'll bring Melo off the bench. I think that was hinted at yesterday by the GM, Neil O'Shea, who said it's Terry Stotts' decision, but it'll probably be off the bench. 
which is for the best because I, I if you've got Dame, CJ, Covington, Jones, and Nurkic, that's that you've got good spacing. You've got still good got Rodney Hood as well. Yeah, Rodney Hood's good off the bench. Um, still got Zach Collins in there. Maybe Harry Giles can show some more flashes. Um, yeah, I think they had a really nice offseason. I was kind of surprised because I think for a while I've been quite critical of Portland because they've just been kind of plodding along. They've not yeah. really done anything to to try and take the next step, but they did well for themselves. No, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm literally going to be echoing everything um, Joe has said. The Covington pickup is a big one and it's really and truly the Covington pickup here for me is is more of an indictment into the Rockets and what they're trying to do over there because I mean you're trying to keep Harden I don't know what you're trying to do with Westbrook but you you can't be letting go of literally probably what your third best player third if you want to argue Eric Gordon and him between them two so it's like it doesn't really make sense and it's like if if Covington was available I'm surprised not a lot more teams were um, interested in him. I'm not sure, Joe, do you know if any other teams were interested in Covington? Yeah, Dallas. I know Dallas made an offer, but Houston wanted, I think, two first-round picks and Seth Curry. And obviously, they have the Josh Richardson deal on the table. And I'll be honest, though Covington is better than Richardson, I would have taken the Richardson deal. Yeah, yeah. I I don't like the idea of giving up. Two first round picks, two and, f- and that's yeah. what Portland had to give up to get Covington. They gave up a reason yeah. and two firsts. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Portland needed it more, and I think also yeah. Portland had sort of um, less assets as yeah. well. So they was kind of they were more pushed into it. Whereas Dallas had other options on the table. Um, okay. But I think, yeah, I, I think the thing with Rocco is you know he's he's just I said about Morris earlier. But Rocco's an easier fit because he doesn't demand the ball in his hands. Yeah. You know, he just you can play him at the three or the four, and you know exactly what you're going to get from him. Yeah, exactly. And to just piggyback off that, I mean, the only reason why I'd go down a grade, I give them a B plus, just because I just think for me, I'm always looking at the bigger picture, and I think every NBA team is obviously trying to get better and obviously do more. And I think Portland. Although they got to the playoffs, it, was a, it wasn't a great season for them. They obviously had to um, get to the play in the bubble and everything like that. If the season happened normally, no bubble, no COVID, I don't think they would have made the playoffs. So it's like, for me, what's the next step for Portland? What are they trying to do? There was a lot of talk where they could maybe trade CJ and try and reshape the roster, which I'm surprisingly, I'm kind of siding towards that in terms of, Look, are you trying to win a chip with Dame or is Dame just trying to retire as a legend? Obviously, everyone's not, or everyone is trying to win a chip, but it's just not realistic for guys. And I think Lillard, as much as, yeah, he wants to retire as a, as, as a trailblazer, he does want to win a ring. And I think, of course, they've got a very good backcourt, but it's just going forward, is the roster as currently constructed really capable of challenging when you've got Dallas on the rise, you've got the Suns on the rise? I just don't think so. And I think... As much as Covington is a huge upgrade, I think them as a team within the Western Conference, two years ago, what, two, three years ago, Portland finished third in the Western Conference. I don't think that's possible now. I don't think they finished in the top half. In the conference finals. In the conference finals, exactly, two years ago against the Warriors. So the only reason why I give them a B plus is because I just don't know where they're going. I don't know if they're trying to win a chip. I don't know what the plan is going forward with Dame. Rocco, great signing. 
but he's in his 30s. He's obviously going to maybe take a little step down because he's going to be required to do way more on this Trailblazer team. So, yeah, B+, just just based on the fact that I don't, I don't, I don't know what the ceiling is with this team and this roster. And that's just me. Yeah, I, I think B+, A- in that range as well. Um, I love the Roko edition. Um, I think he's probably the best wing that they've had because even when they did go to the conference finals, Roko is better than Harkless or Aminu. Mm. Um, you know, he doesn't... Uh, those guys, sometimes they'd have to come off the court because they can't shoot. That's you, You're not going to have that issue with um, Roko. Um, Gary Trent as well. Obviously, he wasn't an addition, but I just like what he brings to the table. Um, re-signing Melo, I think, was nice. Uh, scoring punch off the bench. But, um, yeah, I, ju- I just feel like they, they, they made some... Especially considering the context, as you said, Joe, they made some um, some very good moves. But um, there's there's some stiff competition in in their region in the West, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, how they shake up. But um, you mentioned the Mavericks, Joe. We know that's the team you cover. Um, they made some uh, interesting moves as well. As you said, acquired um, Josh Richardson, gave up Seth Curry, um, James Johnson, I believe, came, and. Um, they, they're still trying to keep cap space in order to try and um, acquire Giannis in the... But, you know, that's that's something I'll, I'll, I want to talk about next. But firstly, how would you rate their off-season and how do you feel about them moving forward? Um, I could probably give it a B-, C+. I think the thing with the Mavericks was last year, you know, people are talking about you know, the need to add another star, but don't think people, enough people know this fact. The Dallas Mavericks offense was the best recorded offense in NBA history it's by true, the yeah. numbers. It was, so they, look, it would be great to get a third star, but what they needed was defense. And yeah. they went out and got that with Josh Richardson and Josh Green. Um, I think they're two difference makers. Because the Mavericks, I don't think other than J.J. Barea, who I don't even count because he's the 11th man on the roster and he's like 35 they don't have an awful defender on the team, but they don't have a difference maker at the guard position. Like mm. They're all okay, but as soon as you come up against a good guard, they're not getting anything. Well, now with Richardson and Green, you've got two guys who could disrupt the point of action. And the key with Richardson is he's not as good a shooter as Seth Curry, but I would take a little drop in my three-point percentage to improve the defense. And I think they did... It wasn't glamorous. And obviously, the thing with the Mavericks is they've always struck out on free agents. They struck out DeAndre Jordan, Darren Williams. Those are the two guys who come to mind. And I believe they struck out on Amari Stoudemire as well back in the day. So I think when I speak to Mavericks fans, they kind of think it's more of the same. It's kind of, I don't know a single big free agent they really went after. They went after Gallinari, but... The Hawks gave him more money, and I think he'll have a bigger role in Atlanta. So I think that was part of it. But I, you know, I it wasn't glamorous. It's not jumping off the page, but it was needed. They needed defense. They needed players who would disrupt at the point of attack. And I think they went out and got that. I think they also had one of the most, um, one of the more underrated drafts as well. You know, you mentioned Josh Green, nice addition. Um, I can't remember who was the other player they drafted. They drafted a nice, um, I think uh, Tyrell, it was Tyrell Terry. Terry. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. nice addition. So, um, yeah, I think they had an underrated draft as well. But um, move on to the Giannis conversation because you know that was that is the story of this current free agency. You know, not a lot of big names on the move, but um, the question is, will he sign his super max? Um, obviously, the Bucks 
uh, obviously in waiting. I'm sure they've offered it to him, but obviously he hasn't signed a deal. Um, the Mavs are a team rumoured to be, you know, uh, we know they wouldn't turn him down. You know, they'd love to get him next offseason. Um, obviously, they're, they're making moves to um, have the cap space available to make that happen. So how do you feel about the whole um, Giannis saga as it relates to the Mavs? Yeah, I think they've got a great chance of getting him, to be honest. Um, obviously, the league is kind of over if um, if they get him, because Luka and Giannis for the next however many years is absurd. You know, you've got... I mean, there's a, theoretically, if you were to rank who are going to be the top two players in the league in three years, most yeah. people would say those two. Because mm-hmm. you, you predict LeBron will take a decline. Steph Curry might still be around, but they're going to be in the conversation. Definitely. Um, I think that's what they're gearing up for. They're gearing up for a big run at him because they've never, it would be kind of justice, poetic justice, because they've never been able to score that big free agent. I mean, their biggest free agency pickups, Harrison Barnes and Wes Matthews, and they overpaid to get them because they were just desperate to keep putting something around Dirk, but they're not. Yeah, Harrison Barnes, less said about him, the better. But yeah, they go after these sort of second level guys and pay them as first level. I think they've got a real, real chance at Giannis. You know, I think they can sell it to him. They, and they're building a good roster to put around stars. They're signing the right kind of players. They're going for guys who can give you a little bit of volume scoring and then defence, because that's yeah. what you're going to need around Luca. because he's never going to be a great defender for me. So, yeah, they're absolutely... That's what they're gearing up for. And I think that's better. You know, would, would the Mavs fans rather have a run at Giannis next year? Or would they rather have signed, like, let's say, Danilo Gallinari and Ricky Rubio this year? You know, I think they'd rather have a run at Giannis. Yeah, for sure. I think um, a potential Giannis Porzingis front court that sounds like yeah. hell for opposition players. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, Daniel, how do you feel about the Giannis saga, man? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I see it differently to um, I see it differently to Joe. I'd give them a B plus. For the reasons that you actually mentioned, the fact that they're going having a run at Giannis, many, many, many um, teams or NBA teams make the mistake of if I don't get the star free agent now, let me quickly get something to make the fans say, "Ah, oh, please, like we were trying, so we tried, we didn't get him, so let's get these second uh, the level stars." Exactly, the Knicks. <laughs> I was literally going to come to that, and then overpay these second level guys. But really and truly build the pieces around it. And even if you don't get Giannis next year, you've got cap space, you've got a solid team to go out and get someone who can then fill in, not the Giannis void, but fill in a void on the team, of uh, a piece on the roster that will definitely elevate Doncic and Porzingis, who will be the two main guys going forward. So I think the Dallas have set themselves, Dallas Mavericks have set themselves in good stead going forward. In terms of the Giannis fam, Giannis um, for free agency next year, that that would be like the European super team of the American league. Like it'd be very, very funny to see, but it would be scary for the rest of the league. I I just think there's no team that'd be able to beat that. The Doncic Giannis pick and roll would be like LeBron in his prime with AD as he is now, kind of pick and like it just be it'd just be absurd. Unbelievable. And then you've got a big in KP who's who can stretch the floor for Giannis as well. Like it, it it would be unfair, as in KD, Steph, and Clay was unfair to see, but this would be another level, another stratosphere of unfair, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So, yeah, if they can get Giannis, you you do everything you can, and it, they definitely can sell it. 
Um, I think they've got a lot of things to sell to you, and it's the culture, everything there. You can get Dirk into the meeting. You can win. A, you say that there's rings to be won here. I guess the only question is who, who's winning finals MVP when, when it's all said and done? Who's the main, who's the number one guy? But that's stuff that can be ironed out later. But yeah, B plus and you do everything you can to get Giannis. Um, you mentioned um, even if they don't get Giannis, there's other guys they can get. Um, we know that free agency um, class is going to be crazy because yeah. Kawhi and PG are potential exactly. free agents, LeBron AD. Um, but an undercover guy that literally just popped into my head that they could potentially get at, um, Bam Adebayo. Imagine if the Miami Heat sign Giannis and um, you know they don't want to give Bam the max. Um, the, the Mavs could snap up on that and he would be a lethal um, combination with Luka. As yeah. far as a lob threat, he can shoot the mid-range. But um, that's obviously hypothetical. But in terms of, um, yeah, as I said, I give them a B. Um, the Josh Richardson addition, I think, was needed. You know, you still got Tim Hardaway Jr., who is a flamethrower like, when he gets hot. Um, so, yeah, I like the addition. That I guess the only, the only question I had, and feel free to answer this, um, Joe, is that I think Doncic in history, like when you look at the top 10 list of... Um, usage when you have the ball. Doncic had the ball way too much for me. I think they needed maybe to bring in someone who could maybe take the burden a little bit off of Doncic in terms of having the ball and having to create offense and everything like that. But so, Josh Josh Richardson did a good job at that with the um firstly with the heat and with the Sixers. Like he handled enough, the yeah, ball yeah. and get his own shot. So I think he could possibly you know provide that. Uh, but, I think um, yeah I think the sort of Lone creator is sort of controversial. Some people don't like it. Some people love it. Yeah. I think with Dallas, the, the difference I see between them and the Rockets is that the Mavericks' offense is more diverse. There's more, there's more player movement. There's more ball movement, and I just think it's about increasing those opportunities for guys like Tim Hardaway. And it's where I think Tyrell Terry will become big. So Terry's going to be one of the worst defenders in the league. Um, but that's not what he's there for. You know, he can he can give you, he can come off a screen, he can attack a little bit. I think I, that's why I've not given them an A because I do think they need a playmaker. Yeah. Even if, honestly, again, I'm going to mention his name again, but even if it was Ricky Rubio or someone like that, they need someone. It doesn't have to be a scorer. It just needs to be someone who can handle the ball and put the ball in the right places to go alongside Luka Doncic because they don't need shooting. You know, yeah. it's proven by their numbers. Even with Seth Curry, they still don't need shooting because they've got the only player on the roster, I believe, who can't shoot them is Willie Cauley-Stein and he doesn't play much. So they've got all these guys who can do that. They probably needed, yeah, someone who can run the offense at a secondary level. Yeah. But th the thing is, you know, Rick Carlisle, what he's been great at over the years is just plucking these guys out of nowhere. Yeah. And Trey Burke is a guy who, who played really yeah. well and I think could potentially be that guy. Yeah, Burke's a good player. You know, he's going to come off the bench, but he could be playing big minutes off the bench. You know, sixth man. I mean, I'll always remember in their 2011 finals run, they had JJ Barea, who was unreal in the finals. He went to the Timberwolves and he was not good. He was really bad for us. But Rick Carlisle just seems to get something out of these sort of small, undersized guards. And it's because he lets them run the offense. You know, he gives them reps and... He, he helps them improve. You know, he's mm. very good at that. So I'm confident that they can find someone like that within their roster. 
No, for sure. Uh, so let's move on to the Suns, who made a big splash, obviously by acquiring Chris Paul. Um, yeah. They also signed Jay Crowder, re-signed Dario Saric and Javon Carter. Um, we'll start with you, Joe. How do you feel about the, the moves that the Suns made? Yeah, I think that, because obviously, yeah, there's always been unrest about Devin Booker and whether he wants to leave. And obviously his two best friends are D'Lo and Kat. Now, I've never believed we've had a chance at him, but I think those... They still add to the unrest, those rumours. So I think with the Paul trade, they're just saying, look, we we need to keep him around. You know, Chris Paul yeah. is old, but he was very good last year. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people do their point guard rankings at the moment, and he is way too low, in my opinion. Uh, he was excellent. His game's a bit of a throwback because he shoots a lot of mid-range. Uh, yeah. He's very old-fashioned. He plays, if you Google the definition of a point guard, he plays like the definition is. But the thing was with the Suns, like, what I like about it is they did they went eight and zero in the bubble, right? But they didn't look at that bubble team and go, right, we went eight and zero, so we're going to win fifty games next year. They said, mm, you know what, yeah. that was a nice run, and that showed they showed us what they can do. But we still need to go out and get someone else, and they've delivered. I think you've got there, you've got Paul, you've got Booker, Bridges, and Cam Johnson on the wings, and then DeAndre Ayton, and they've added to the bench as well. So that's a deep team pushing for home advantage in the West. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Daniel, go ahead, man. We we did call this one. We called Chris Paul to the um to the Sun. So um, yeah, got to pat ourselves on the back for that one. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about how do you feel about the um the moves that they made? No, definitely. Like, like I said, I mean, we we were proud of the Chris Paul move. We said that due to the bubble form. You go out and get Chris Paul, someone who fits the Monty Williams style, what the culture that he's trying to breed in, 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 in Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix, let's, let's not get it twisted. I mean, obviously because of the Knicks and maybe even the Pistons into that category, because of how teams have been run, the Knicks go under, I mean, the Suns go under the radar. They've been run terribly for a while now. And Devin, since Devin, Devin Booker got drafted, he's not been given the fighting's chance of doing well in the league. Um but now they've they've really really and truly you could consider this going all in. Like I expect them to be a high ranking Western Conference team, um, and it's just it's totally on the fact that it's not just Chris Paul. It's the pieces around that. Jay Crowder underrated. Jay Crowder is a fit player. I think it just depends on how well he fits on the on the team. I reckon he'll start as well. Still at the four. Exactly. So because Bridges Bridges and Crowder on the wings. That's nice. Guys, you can shoot. The only problem I have with Crowder is that he can become unreliable. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, As a shooter. Yeah. We saw that when he came to the Cavs. I mean, a big reason why LeBron wanted him is because of his defense and the shooting. But he was just an awful shooter playing for Cleveland. But then he became a better shooter, especially in the regular season for the Heat. So it just depends on what version of Crowder they get. Resigning Sarich for me. I think Sarich was one of the big bigger mistakes that um, the 76ers made. 76 has made and letting him go I think he's one of like the better role pieces within the league um, but yeah the Suns just look very very good they look accomplished that's what I like to call it you got a point guard like you said the purest point guard you'll see in today's game in Chris Paul and then you've got a scorer to match him up with Devin Booker do you get what I'm saying it, it, it reminds me a bit of not the, just a scorer as well a scoring and then machine exactly it reminds me a bit of the Chris Paul Harden um, like guard duo, but then you have a more a, traditional, more Devin traditional, Booker, more traditional than Harden. Exactly, exactly, and in many respects, less less of an ego. Chris Paul and Harden rubbed heads a bit, 
you've got mm. Devin Booker who's going to more feed into what Chris Paul's trying to teach him and tell him, do you get what I'm saying? And I think, look, you you don't want to face the Suns in the first round. You just don't want to face them. With the, with, the, with the roster as it's currently constructed, you just do not want the Suns. You want to see what they can do and then work from there when you, when you have to play them because you just don't know what, what could happen because what the Suns were doing in the bubble with, with the current, with the roster they had was crazy. As in they, they, they were winning games, winning them well and even the Clippers game showed me that Devin Booker is taking on that, that kind of Kobe mentality that he's always tried to, to, to like basically evoke and he can he can he can rise to the next level, become a consistent all star from this season onwards. So, yeah, man, I, I I have high hopes for the Suns, and I give them an A as well, man. I think if, if there's a team who had the next best off season to the Lakers, it's definitely the Suns for me. Yeah, I'd even give them an A plus, man. I, I yeah. just love what they did. Um, I think the Chris Paul acquisition, obviously, it, it um gives confidence to Devin Booker that he's got a running mate, but the um. The other value that you get from that is he's gonna improve the young guys. Like in um, in OKC, we saw Darius Baisley playing really well. We saw Shea Gorgeous Alexander, Lou Dort. The young guys were playing really well. Look at the young guys that the Suns have: Mikael Bridges, uh, Cam Johnson, even a guy like Javon Carter. Chris Paul is gonna get those guys to play a lot better. And when you're talking about um, you know competing in the playoffs, your role players are huge. Like if you have a guy that can, you know, um, play out of his skin, that gives you a, a huge... DeAndre Ayton, we forgot to mention. He's going to And that, for me, that's the main piece uh, that Chris Paul um, improves because he's already a 20 and 10 guy. Now, I think his efficiency improves. I think um, he improves defensively because he took steps last year. But now, you know, he's going to get easier buckets on the offensive end so he can prioritise what he's doing on D. And we know Chris Paul improves them defensively as well. So, um, yeah, I love what the Suns have done, man. Big time. Um, next team I want to talk about, uh, the Pelicans. Um, I think they made some questionable moves. Um, they brought in Stephen Adams, um, signed him to a two-year extension. I think it was two years, 35. Um, they traded for Eric Bledsoe. George Hill obviously got the picks in giving up Drew Holiday. Um, so, Joe. How do you feel about um obviously a team you, you said that you prior covered? So how do you feel about you know the direction that they're going in? So before the offseason, I liked it. You know, I liked the Jackson Hayes draft pick last year. I think Lonzo and BI have been really good there. Um, I think I also thought firing Alvin Gentry was the right move. And then I don't really understand what they've done this offseason. Um, ignoring the draft for now, but I don't rate Stephen Adams. I know that's quite controversial because he's a he's um you know he's a popular guy but i just think he's he's fine you know he, he sets good screens he's like do you remember marching got out on the wizards back yeah. in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. reminds me a little bit of him like he's on the name fine. he's like a, he's a solid he's a solid starting center but he's not a game changer you know he's not i don't think he's any better than Derek favors was and they obviously let him go and, and he makes 25 million a year as well that's, a, like, that's what I mean. A it's, a, it's a lot of money for him, and I just don't understand it. Um, I'm a Eric Bledsoe believer, but not in that team. So I imagine you're probably going to start with someone like Bledsoe and Redick in the backcourt. Like you still got Zion, so Zion helps you a lot because he he'll be. There's no player I, I would bat to stop Zion one on one in the post, not even AD. I think he literally would just run over anyone. He's too powerful. 
It's too strong. Um, I question the pieces around him. Um, the thing with Bledsoe is, I think Bledsoe needs to be alongside a team full of shooters. So if you put Bledsoe on the Timberwolves or the Mavericks, he'd be really good because you've got Ooh, the Timberwolves. Ooh, that'd be nice. Mm. Five out, but Zion hasn't shown much as a shooter yet. Adams can't shoot. Lonzo Ball, for me, still can't shoot. I know he had a good percentage last year, but I expect that number to dip. And B.I.'s at his best playing on the inside, you know, going for fadeaways and, you know, sort of operating from those mid-range and taking what defence gives him. I don't think they've got enough spacing, and yeah. I don't think they've got... I think the defence will be good, so they can maybe... Well, not maybe. If you've got Zion, you're going to hit teams in transition. But are they going to be good in, enough in the half court to make the playoffs? And I think no. You know, I'd probably have the Timberwolves above them. Uh, obviously, I'm biased there. The only teams I would definitely have below them are probably like the Kings and the Thunder. And it shouldn't be that way because they. I think they could have taken more steps to push towards the playoffs by making better moves. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. I think they they botched this offseason, man. You have to get... You have to surround Zion with shooting. Um, yeah. I think because they acquired George Hill in the Drew Holiday trade. I think he fits better than because he led the league in three point percentage last year. But he fits better alongside um, Zion than Bledsoe does. Um, I think you could have got some additional shooting for Bledsoe. Um, they're holding draft picks. You could have got some draft picks for Bledsoe because, as you said, I feel like he doesn't fit. You know, you've got Lonzo already. Um, so, so what are you gonna do with Lonzo? Like he's gonna be a free agent. Do you not believe in him? How, how much can you get for him when he's in the lot? Basically going into, you know, a free agency next year. So what's going on there? Um, they also drafted another a lead guard, which makes no sense again, because you have Lonzo, you have Blair, so you even have Nikhil Alexander-Walker, who I really like, but you drafted another lead guard. I don't think that makes sense. As you said, the Stephen Adams edition, again, I did, Zion's going to spend... A, a lot of his minutes at the five because you know he's gonna outrun other bigs. He's they're gonna play um, in transition. So Stephen Adams don't really make much sense, uh, obviously because he can't shoot as well. So for me, uh, I question a lot of the moves that they made, um, and I, I, I agree. I think, as you said, the Kings and probably the Thunder are the only teams that will be below them, man. And they had a high ceiling because they haven't signed uh, Bi yet, but you know we're. Ex- Expecting him to sign a, a max extension, so because um, they're going to have two All Stars next season. Uh, even if Brandon Ingram ain't an All Star, he's going to give you minimum twenty a game. So I, I just don't see how you you know you botch the other pieces around them when all you need is shooting and defense because you have two All Star caliber players. But um, yeah, Daniel, how do you feel about the Pelicans, man? Yeah, not going to lie to you, I think. Of all the teams with potential, they they failed. Like they had the biggest failure in terms of this offseason. I think I think you remember what we were saying? This offseason was the potential. this is where we were gonna see bucket loads of moves and trades and different people going there. One person says he's going here, but he's gonna change his mind. And I think they just maybe got caught up in all of this because really and truly I think they 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 haven't really done well, like and it, it goes as far back to the AD trade. I mean, a lot of people are saying, and like very stupidly, in my opinion, the, um, the Lakers lost the AD trade because of the amount of talent um, 
they they gave up when really and truly what they gave up was Lonzo, um, BIS, he's become an all-star, and Josh Hart, who is like the averages, averagest, if that's even a word, averagest of average role players. So um, the Pelicans, I'm giving them a... I'm giving them an E, actually. I'm giving them. I an give e. them an F. Still, I didn't even yeah. say that. Yeah. So EF, F. like because they just didn't address what they needed to address. It's like what you're trying to do is build a team that's capable for Zion to then obviously take the lead role and become the main man. Zion's now what the the veteran um, player on the on the roster, which is crazy, and he hasn't even played that many games yet. We still don't know how Zion's going to shape up in the league again because we don't know about the weight issues, what's his ideal weight, all this, this, and that. I'm sure they've been going through it this off season, but it's like, yeah, it's when I look at when I just look at the roster. Me and Darren were talking about this before you came in, Joe, and obviously he's probably going to defend Lonzo, give him a bit of a shining light. But I'm just not a Lonzo fan. I I I just don't believe. In him, maybe it is because of the hype that he came in with, so it 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 um it has affected him definitely. But I just think I don't know what he offers per se to be a starter, be the starting guard on that team. Yes, he can. Yes, he can pass, and he's got unbelievable passing range. However, I think as the point guard, where you're gonna be ball dominant, he needs to be able to do way more than he is able to do right now. He doesn't have a go-to shot. He doesn't really drive to the rim well. He's a terrible, terrible three-point free um, free throw shooter, shooting just about, what, 55%? Um, from 55%. Free 55%, yeah, which is terrible. So it's like for the Pelicans, yeah, man, it's going to be a lottery year, man, and hopefully they get a high pick so that they can maybe draft someone to pair alongside... Um, Bi and Zion, but yeah, man, it's underwhelming. Maybe that's really. what they were hoping for, to be honest. Because Maybe but the moves that they made don't make much sense. Yeah. Um, last team in the West that we'll touch on, um, the Warriors. Ben, obviously, sad news about the Clay Thompson injury. I'm sure we were all looking forward to seeing the Splash Brothers again back yeah. doing their magic. But um, you know, they did make some uh, some moves to try and um, you know compete still. They obviously acquired Kelly Oubre, um, drafted James Wiseman. Um, I think they signed um, the backup Celtics PG as well, Wanamaker. Yeah, Brad Wanamaker, yeah. Yeah, they made a couple moves here and there. But, um, Joe, how do you feel about the Warriors, man? You know, they were what they once sat at the the pinnacle. Now, you know, it just seems like they're one of the pack. Yeah, I, the clay injury is devastating because earlier we were talking about the Lakers and Eve Daniels said there was no team who... Um, could match them and I agree now but I think uh, the Warriors with Clay could have because let's not forget they won 73 games before they got Kevin Durant I know they blew it in the finals but that wasn't because the players weren't as good as we thought they were that was just because Harrison Barnes missed every shot and it was a <laughs> historic choke basically um yeah. they're, they're still going to be very good if you've got Steph and Dre your floor is the 72 game season your floor is probably 42 wins something like that mm. they're still going to be good and people have forgotten how good Draymond is you know he's a guy that feeds off disrespect and he is absolutely going to feed off that this year because everyone's like well you know look at look at him, look at him without Steph and Clay they've only won if they were the 14 wins or something like that yeah but when you put Draymond with other good players that's when he's at his best because he's not just a great defender he can run the offense as well 
you give him the ball at the elbow, he's a phenomenal passer. Uh, that's a big part of what they do is on those back screens. So they're still going to be good. And I think you've got Steph, who's the best shooter of all time. I think he's the best point guard of all time as well. Um, Interesting. I think he's the best point guard of all time. But in either way, he's he's certainly up there. And I think they're going to be the team that no one wants to play in the first round because you just if Steph, Steph can go for 50 like that and he can shoot them all, you know, instantly. He can just get hot from anywhere. Um, I like the Kelly Oubre pickup. I think he'll be he'll look better when they get Clay back or if they get Clay back. Um, he's kind of a jack of all trades on offense. Can do a bit of everything. Like they're fine, but talking it's hard for me to talk about the Warriors because I'm just so disappointed with the fact that we're not going to see Steph and Clay together this year. Like yeah, they're still yeah. going to be good, but they're not a contender for me. To, to yeah. add on to that, though, there's a question that Darren asked me that I want to ask you. With the current situation with Clay, which is so unfortunate, do you give um, Clay the Supermax when he does eventually come back? Oh, man. It's tough because the problem is he's had two back-to-back horrible injuries. That's two years into the max as well. Yeah. So that's like... He hasn't even played with this new contract, with this new big contract. So you'll give if you give him the supermax, it's out of loyalty. So are you doing that? It's a bit like the Kobe situation with um, Genie. I'm not sure they are, to be honest. Oh, fair yeah. enough. No, I mean, yeah. no, I, I agree with your point, Kobe and Genie. Oh, I mean, God. I'm not sure they'll give him the supermax, is what I meant. Oh, um, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's the thing is right. Sentimentality is great, but it can cripple you. Mm, you know, exactly. I, know I know it's like a really mean thing to say, but it can cripple you. You know, it can, especially in it. Like if it was football where there's no salary cap, yeah, fine, do it. Give him whatever the hell he wants. But yeah. when you've when you've got a salary cap and you're already paying Steph and Dre a lot, don't forget they're paying Wiggins a lot as well. Yeah, which is ridiculous. And they just drafted Wiseman with the number two pick, and that's, yeah. he's still making like ten a year as well. So. Yeah, I just think, but um, that's a like, yeah. that's a tough moral question for a front office because it's like from a from a like if you weren't looking at players as people, which some some analysts don't, and they just look at them as numbers and salary cap sheets, it's yeah. an absolute no. But you've got to factor in what he's done for your franchise and what he brings out of Steph as well, because yeah. you can't double team Steph because. He's going to pass it to Dre, and Dre's going to pass it to Clay, and he's going to be wide open. It's not quite the same when you've got Andrew Wiggins or Eric Pascal or any of those guys there, because as yeah. nice as some of them can be, you know, Clay's a well. They've got the two best shooters of all time on one roster. Yeah. So it's a tough one. I wouldn't do it, but I think they will. I think they will. Mm. Yeah, that's an interesting tangent, but. Yeah. Um... In terms of what they did in the off-season, for me, I like... No, the clay injury is, as you said, Joe, it's definitely devastating, man, because their, their ceiling was championship. You know, um, as you said, Stephen Clay, two of the best shooters of all time. Draymond, one of the best playmaking forwards probably of all time. Um, Wiseman, as your fourth or fifth option. Bro, he can catch lobs, finish around the rim. And when... The thing is, it's the same thing that they did with all the other bigs that they had. Even it worked with Iguodala at times. Steph and Draymond pick and roll. You have to double Steph at the top. Draymond on the short roll throws the lob to the big man. 
I think Wiseman's going to eat off that play alone. Yeah. But um, it's going to be tough for him considering, you know, he has to carry more of the load with Steph being out. Um, in terms of the moves they made, I'll give them a B plus because I like the... If you saw how much they're playing, 80 mil to add Kelly Oubre, who's only on a 15 mil salary, obviously because of luxury tax. So for me, that just shows, um, you know, that they're, they've got the desire to win. And uh, you have to love that from ownership um, ownership group. And, um, you know, Kelly Oubre is not a superstar player, you know, to play that price, to um, bring, bring a guy like that in, uh, I think it says a lot, man. But, um, yeah, did you want to touch on the, the Warriors, Daniel, or should we move on to the East? Uh, short and sweet. Give them a B. Wouldn't lean to the B+. Plus. I think Clay thing affects everything they planned for this year and, and what they really wanted to do. Um, so it is really unfortunate. Um, for me, I just don't like the Wiggins fit on the Warriors. I, I'm just not a fan of Wiggins, not a fan of the fit, just not a fan of everything. I, I'm just not a fan of how they let um, Russell go as well. I think D'Angelo Russell, they could have got a better package for a guy like him. Exactly. I exactly. think they could have Because the draft, pick, the draft pick that they got is just going down in value because yeah. the team had the number one pick. Exactly. So they're going to be better next year. So, yeah, like, yeah. So I, I just think, yeah, that if, if there was a mistake that this Warriors um, front office, which is very, very good, made, I think it's probably that one. But, yeah, man, I think it's it's an all right off-season considering the, the, the circumstances. Before we move on from the West, you know, it's only right I asked you about your team, Joe. Just drafted um, Anthony Edwards with the number one pick. How do you feel about that move? How do you feel about your prospects moving forward, you know, potentially competing for a playoff spot? And um, specifically, Anthony Edwards. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, But specifically, Anthony Edwards, you know, number one pick, that is, that's, that's a major asset. You know, before the pick, after the pick, whatever you want to say, he needs to be a big contributor because number one, you don't get that often, you know, number one pick in a draft. So um, how do you feel about the pick and how do you, what do you feel about um, he can give to you guys? Yeah, he was my choice of the pick. I, I flip-flopped between him and LaMelo Ball. It was always between those two for me. But uh, the day before the draft, I went on a um, podcast and I said, yeah, Edwards is the guy. You know, he's the guy we need to take. Uh, the thing I like more about the pick since we've made him is his measurements are bigger than... Uh, they expected so he could actually play a little bit of the three and the four but the thing with him is like Cat is an elite big man in terms of his shooting D'Lo is he's elite guard but D'Lo's weakness is that he's not super um, he's not got much speed or burst so he's not super athletic but he's built on sort of being a little bit more slow and crafty well Edwards is destructive his his acceleration driving to the rim is a joke. And I already think we had the pieces to be a top five, top 10 offense. I think we absolutely do now. We've got Edwards who can win one-on-one against anyone. And I think he, the, the knock on Edwards throughout the draft process was if he goes to like the Hornets or the Cavs, they're going to just let him do what he wants. And that's when he's going to develop the bad habits like Andrew Wiggins, John Wall, like guys like that did. Yeah. But now he's, Probably, well, he's probably the fourth option on this team in terms of ball handling because it's going to be Russell, Cat, Rubio's going to play a big role, and then you've got him, and I think that'll help him because he's going to be given a couple of things he can he needs to do, and he's going to master them, and then you can you know make him 
give him a bigger role. I think he's landed yeah. in the right place. Yeah. No, for sure, man. It's going to be interesting to see what he can give, man, because as I said, number one picks, that does not come around often. So you have to maximise, you know, when you have the opportunity. But um, let's move on to the East. A lot of, you know, competitive teams in the East, a lot of teams trying to get better, compete for a chip. Wow. Um, we'll start with the Bucks, though. Obviously, um, made the big trade for Drew Holiday, big pickup. Um, they gave up a lot, you know, three first-round picks, Bledsoe, George Hill, um, added Bryn Forbes in free agency, signed Bobby Portis, signed Tory Craig, who I think is an underrated pickup. Oh. Also got um, DJ Augustine. Um, yeah, so how do you feel about the um, the Bucks off-season, Daniel? Um, well, the Bucks, really and truly, everything the Bucks did was <laughs> appeasing Giannis and competing for a championship. And my grade is based on do I think they've done both? And I don't think so, in my opinion. I don't think they've... I don't think, personally, they've appeased Giannis. I think Giannis is saying all the right things, what what you'd expect of a franchise player. I, I don't think Giannis is the kind of guy to speak out a turn as well. I think he's going to say all the right things, but he's going to end up leaving. And then two, do I think the Bucks right now, as currently constructed, can compete for a championship? I I, I don't think so. Are, are they are they much better than what they were last year? Drew Holiday is a big time pickup, and I mean one of the guys that everyone wanted this free agency, um, and he, it definitely was a big pickup. But then Bogdanovich would have taken them to another level in terms of their starting five. That starting five would have been one of the best starting fives in the league. But obviously that fell through for whatever reason. Um, and now you're just looking at a team where it's like, okay, it's Giannis and Drew. But it's Middleton. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. The, the team gives me a bit of, um, it gives me a bit of Pelicans vibe, vibes when they had Rondo, Drew and AD. Like that, and De, um, DeMarcus Cousins was on that team as well. It just gives me yeah. a bit of th- those vibes where the team has good names when you look at the roster like the names are good but it's like can they really do much with the way that everything's going to run I don't know the Bobby Portis pickup it's, it's questionable DJ Augustin I mean I, I like him as a player I don't really necessarily think he does so much in terms of what he's going to do on the Bucks. I just think for me the Bucks had to do everything in their power to make sure that Bogdanovich deal was watertight like airtight and it, it, it went across the line and then for him to come out and say I haven't agreed to this like I ain't going there it's like wow and when you already are a small market team where you don't attract free agents like that and you've had you have a once in a lifetime player in Giannis and it's not their fault that they're fumbling the bag but you just have to call it for what it is like this this no, roster um, is not good enough for me it's not good enough it's not good. Yeah, enough. just before you go, Joe. Um, for me, I would have given him an A plus if that Bogdanovich deal went through, because I love what he brings to the table. Yeah, that the playmaking, the shooting, it's the scoring, shoot from range it's the scoring. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, and I was, I tweeted, he's gonna close games for them. He would have been that that kind of pickup for them. Like I think he would have been so key, but um, you know, they messed up. They um. They didn't go through the proper channels in order to make sure that the deal was completed before reporting it. And then the NBA launched an investigation into it. And then from there, you can't make the move. And I think that's such a, a rookie move 
Um, and that really messed up their offseason, man, because I do feel they would have had one of the best starting fives, if not the best starting five in the league, if they had signed um, Bogdanovich. Um, I still give them credit for the moves they did make, but um, I think missing out on him is is huge, man. It's huge. But, um, Joe, how did you feel about the Bucks? Just before go- Joe goes, and that's the reason why they've, they've gone from an A-plus to a C for me, because when the stakes are so high and you trying to keep your once in a in a lifetime player in Giannis, you can't be making mistakes like not going through the proper channels to get a player who's going to help Giannis. Like, that just can't happen. And That's a rookie move, man. Look, he what um Giannis has till December to decide whether he's signing the, obviously he's got but if he if he doesn't sign it in December he's leaving as in I think he's and uh, unless they win a chip obviously but yeah Joe feel free yeah I'm gonna be a little bit harsher on the Bucks uh, than yeah. you guys um I'm gonna give them I'm not gonna give them an F because Drew Holiday's a good picker I'm gonna give them a D minus because. The Bogdanovich thing, right? I've been covering the NBA for a while and I've never seen something so embarrassing from a front office. They did a sign and trade, but didn't sign him. It's in the name. It's in the name. Sign and trade. You only did half of it. Um, And they did the second part, not the first part. Yeah. Like, here's the thing, right? Augustine Portis, Craig... And Forbes, they're all fine. They're fine role players. Do you know what I mean? Like they're yeah. going to be good. It was the problem with the Bucks last year was they had Yanis Middleton and no one else could create anything for themselves, including Bledsoe. He was just charging at the rim. You know, like he's got tunnel vision. They they fumbled the back. Because here's the thing with Bogdanovich, right? I'm not saying Bogdanovich is a star, but he's got the potential to be. He's got the upside. DJ Augustine, he's very efficient. He's also 33. And they've got him on a three-year deal. He's got no upside. He is what he is or he's going to get worse. He's not yeah, going to get yeah. better. He is what he is. Forbes, most of the Spurs fans I've spoken to said he's just not good. He shoots, but there's more to the game than that. You've got to be able to defend, create off the catch. He can't. He's a spot-up shooter. So he's their Wes Matthews replacement, but with no defence. Portis is fine. Like He's a decent role player. You know He's, he's going to be part of a big rotation, but... Bogdanovich had the potential because the thing with, was with the Kings, he closed games for them. All yeah. of their out-of-bounds plays were drawn up for him. They didn't yeah. draw any off of Fox or Heald. It was him every was single time. And he's a tough shot maker. He's he's slow. That's the thing with him. That's what limits him. He's slow. He's got no burst. Unless he's got a screen, he's not going to blow past someone. He needs someone to set a screen for him. But in the way the Bucks would use him, which is catch and shoot and then driving into the paint when they overclose out, and that's where he's good when he's got a defender behind him, he could have been the third star they were looking for. I, I don't think Middleton's a star, by the way. I think Middleton has got similar flaws to Bogdanovich in that they're just both slow, so they can make mid-range shots, but they have to take too many because they can't get to the yeah, rim. very true. But they still, I would have had them as the favourite if they had got Bogdanovich, and I would have given them an A+, because I was thinking, because I've watched a lot of him, um, yeah. and I did an article on him as well, but he's he had the upside, and that's what they're looking for. They're not going to get Bradley Beal. They don't have the assets for anyone like that. Yeah. Bogdanovich, he's probably a top 60 player. With Budenholzer's coaching, he could have become a top 40 player, and that would have been enough for them, I think, to get over the just, line. So it's Just, just to add to that, Joe, 
I feel I feel like he could have also shown us a different dimension to Giannis because uh, Jan, uh, Bogdanovic Giannis pick and roll could have been nasty. Like you, yeah. the big man has to show uh, whoever is guarding Giannis has to show, and then Bogdanovic can play make as well. And then that's Giannis going up against who? Someone trying to show from one of the corners. Like no, that's not happening. You dunk on your head. So I just feel like um, you know missing out on Bogdanovic, especially based on you know not crossing your eyes and dotting your T's. I mean, dotting your eyes and crossing your T's. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, man. They, they and, really... And, and that's that's point. my point. It's not necessarily... Even as, as embarrassing as it was, it's it's not even because they failed to get Bogdanovic. It's the stakes. It's the stakes mm-hmm. that are currently available. Like, what 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 is going What's on, on the line? Bucks? What's on the line? Like, what the Bucks are currently going through, yeah? I mean, a lot of guys in America with the way they're reporting, everyone's saying the Bucks are quietly confident. But, I mean, you have to be quietly confident because you can't, you can't prepare for Giannis leaving, especially when Giannis is not the guy to say, ah, oh, I'm leaving, to make sure that you know, he's not going to do what AD did with, like, a That's All Folks kind of T-shirt or something like that. He will just leave and the Bucks will be left with nothing. Just cap space. That's it. Like, and they will have to just start again. And I don't know how That's, you start That will again set them back so 50 many years. years. <laughs> <laughs> they, haven't, they still haven't recovered from losing Kareem in like the 70s. So, so if they lose the honest, it's over for them, man. Yeah, it's, it's just going to be sad. So, boy, got to see what the Bucks can do, man. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Celtics. Um, made a couple interesting moves. I did Tristan Thompson. I did um, Jeff Teague as a backup point guard, which they needed some some punch off the bench. <laughs> Doesn't look like you're a fan of Jeff Teague, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they, they lose Gordon Hayward for nothing, which is uh, another Max guy that Celtics, they lose man. for nothing. So how um, how would you rate the Celtics offseason, Joe? I think we're going to agree. I'll give him a D. Uh, I like Tristan Thompson. I think he's a good player, and I think he's... He's had some questionable off, off the court stuff, you know, with his love for the Kardashians. But um, <laughs> he's a good player, you know. I always remember him destroying Al Horford whenever the Celtics used to play the Cavs uh, in the playoffs. Jeff Teague is not good, you know. He's we had him in Minnesota for a bit. He's um, he's not a good player. The thing with him is, I like play. I'm, I don't expect every point guard to come out and be prime John Stockton or Alan Iverson. But the problem with Teague is he holds the ball for so long. He's just so slow to process things and he's an awful defender. So mm-hmm. I don't understand the pickup. I don't think he's an upgrade on Wanamaker. And Wanamaker was not liked by Boston fans. I don't think they're going to like Teague at all. My biggest worry with it as well is we've all heard about, you know, Kemba Walker's knees. Yeah, there is a realistic chance that Jeff Teague becomes the starting point guard for that Boston Celtics team. And Tatum's great. I'm a bit lower on Jalen Brown than other guys, but Tatum is a you know he's a generational player in terms of what he brings. But the problem with Jeff Teague is because he holds the ball for so long, he takes away. That's what he did with Cat and Butler. He held the ball for too long. We were better when Tyus Jones was playing. So I don't understand the pickup at all. Danny Ainge must be seeing something I'm not because when he left Minnesota, I watched him, you know, wherever he went. I uh, watched him back in Atlanta, obviously. Mm. He's just not, he's not it for me. And I don't, 
And again, obviously, all the jokes go around about Danny Ainge sitting on his assets. I don't mind that. If they just signed Tristan Thompson, I'd say, you know what, run it back, see if Kemba's knees are good, and then, you know, you've got a chance. They got to the conference finals. I don't get the Teague pickup. You know, if that's the move you're going to make, I'd rather you made no move at all. And I didn't like their draft either. I thought it was a really poor draft. I yeah. didn't like Peyton Pritchard. I didn't understand that pick. You know, he wasn't even in my top 60. Yeah. And they took him in the first round. So, weird off-season. I think underwhelming is yeah. the best word. Like, they could yeah. have done more. And they had the assets to do more. But they just kind of sat. And with Kemba's knees, the reports come out about that. And the fact that they're not good. That worries me a lot. Yeah, the, the, the Kemba issue is definitely worrying. And as you mentioned, Teague potentially in the starting lineup, that makes me eek. So, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound good at all, man. But um, the main issue what I have with what the Celtics did is they were greedy. And I have a big issue with Danny Ainge hoarding assets, fam, because it may, they, they were talking about the Grizzlies pick as if it was going to be a top three pick in the draft. I think it ended up being the 14th pick. They were talking yeah. about the Kings pick. The Kings pick was meant to be some Holy Grail pick that ended up being the 16th pick, I believe, um, last year. So it's like you're hoarding assets, you're hoarding picks, but firstly, you're not um, you know, adding to your roster correctly. And secondly, you're not using them to acquire superstar talent. Um, they had a, a chance to do a signing trade with the Pacers and get um, Doug McDermott, who's a knockdown shooter, may not give you much on D, but he's a nice um, compliment to Brown and Tatum because he can shoot the ball. And then you also could have got Miles Turner, who's a stretch big. You could have got those guys in a signing trade. Instead, you lose Gordon Haywood for nothing. And for me, because um, you lost Kyrie Irving for nothing. You lost Al Horford for nothing. Um, for me, losing Gordon Haywood for nothing was a real, real blunder on um, Danny Angel's part. Yeah. And I, for, that, that makes it a, a, a F for me, to be honest. 100%. And the reason why I agree... And it's gonna the roles are gonna flip with um obviously me and Darren being more harsh on the Celtics than you, Joe. The Celtics deserve an F because let, let me paint the picture, yeah. The problem Danny Ainge and the Celtics have is this obsession to win now. Like it's so like it's like let's do everything we can to try and win now with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and let's just hope for the best. Let's let's make sure we have all these assets. But if Sorry, just they're contradicting themselves exactly the with the trying with, to hoard picks. Exactly, and that's what I was literally going to get to. Like, there's the the vision isn't clear. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, we don't know exactly what they're trying to do or how they're trying to build around their Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I'm I'm of the same um, mindset in Jalen Brown. I think he's more of a a tradable asset than someone to build your team around as well. I think Jason Tatum is definitely someone you give the keys to. I think you just take a step back. Let Jason Tatum develop into the star he he, he is um, and then work from there, work around that. I think the Gordon Hayward thing, it, it, I mean, Gordon Hayward, a word on Gordon Hayward, yeah, he, he's he's stealing. He's stealing from... We're going to get to him. We're going to we're gonna get, we're gonna wrap up the pod. We're going to wrap up the pod touching on right, what cool, Michael let, Jordan did. What Michael yeah, Jordan let, let me did. Not, let me not say too much on that then. But then with, just with the Celtics, I just think, they're, they're just in a state of confusion right now. And um, they they won't make the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion. 
this idea that they've been progressing because they've been making the Eastern Conference final. I, I disagree with it. Just because you're making the finals, that doesn't mean you're taking the right steps towards winning. I think the same example can be made of what the Raptors were doing. Every year after year after year, they were facing LeBron in the finals and everyone thought, yeah, they're making progress. But really and truly, if you're losing to the same team every single year and not doing anything about it, then you're not making progress. And even this year, you'd say that the, the field was open. The Celtics looked like the favourites when they were going in. No one expected to heat the Heat to make the NBA Finals and they didn't make it because the matchups were bad. I think what's bad as well about the Celtics roster is that obviously Tristan Thompson was a good pickup, but they're getting smaller. It's a small team. And I think with the way the league's going, everyone's kind of moving towards the kind of, you need a kind of big or at least a wing who is athletic, who can guard the perimeter and also rim protect. If you go across the league, everyone's got a big who's like dominant, can do something, or a wing who's dominant and can do something. And I think Tristan Thompson's like good rebounder, but and but it's not really gonna do much for you offensively. So it's just I'm just I'm just a bit confused uh, by the Celtics and what they're trying to do with the team. I mean, just like we spoke about Jeff Teague. Darren already knows my feelings to Kemba Walker. Darren's always telling me I'm a bit too harsh on Kemba, but I just think Kemba's, for what they're paying him, the Hornets, if, if there was any move Jordan made that was right, was not was not giving him the Supermax because that would have crippled you for <laughs> God knows how many years. But, I mean, they've gone and done the Gordon Hayward thing. So, I mean, it, we, we, let's just see. The Celtics is a let's just see thing for me now because I don't really have any faith or confidence in what they've done. Nah, for sure, man. Um, th- the thing is, they they've been you know competing for for conference titles for the past couple of years. It's just sad to see that they they're not you know committing to take the steps um, forward. <clears throat> Next team I want to touch on um, a team that probably had one of the more interesting off seasons in the league, um, the Atlanta Hawks. Signed uh, Rajon Rondo, signed Chris Dunn, signed Danilo Gallinari, um, drafted uh, big man Oyeko Kongwu. And they, they just submitted the um the offer sheet for Bogdan Bogdanovic. Apparently the Kings need to um actually match it either today or he's gonna be an Atlanta Hawk. So based on the assumption that Bogdanovic does become an Atlanta Hawk, because you know the Kings have had 48 hours to match the offer and they haven't done it so far. So um how would you grade the um the Hawks off season, Joe? Yeah, I think they've hit out of the park. You know, I, I I'll be honest. Because that's a team I covered for a little bit as well. I didn't think they'd get to a point where they want to win now, but then they traded for Clint Capella, and I kind of thought, well, now actually, you know, they they don't just want to sit on Trey Herter and Collins and let them develop. They actually want to put vets alongside them. And in Bogdanovich and Gallinari, you've got two guys now who I think make Trey unstoppable. So Trey's kind of already unstoppable on offense. He's the worst defender in the league, but just single out offense for now. He can hit deep threes. If you play drop coverage against him, he can hit mid-range jumpers or the floater. And if you try and double him or blitz him, which is where you kind of push him away with the big, he is, I think, the best passer in the league. Some of the passes I've seen him make, are I've never seen anyone make the passes he does. And at the angles he does it, at the point he's at in the midair. Now you've got multiple shooters who basically mean you can't double-team Trey Young. You can't blitz him. 
that makes him even more scary for me. And then you've got Capella, who is probably the best role man in the league. He's rapid. He's athletic. He can get up. And John Collins, a guy everyone sleeps on. John mm. Collins, since he came into the league, he's improved every single year. And his self-awareness is amazing. He knows the exact skills he needs to improve on. First, it was his defense. Then it was his three. Now he's saying he needs to be better creating off the dribble. This is a really good team. And sort of something I said to someone the other day was, if they don't make the playoffs, Lloyd Pierce is getting fired. This roster is built. Guaranteed. This roster is built. I don't think just for the eight seed, because people are sort of going, oh, yeah, they'll get the eight seed. I think they can push top four seed. I really do. I think they've got enough talent there. You've got, so they're probably going to start Trey. I think they'll start Herter. I'd go Trey, Herter, Gallinari, Collins, Capella. Then off the bench, you've got Rondo, Bogdanovich, Okongwu. Hunter, um, Reddish. Yeah, I forgot about those two. Yeah, I mean, Reddish <laughs> is going to be yeah. Reddish is going to be a great defender. You know, he's going to exactly. be a top ten Dwayne defender. They the the other thing as well, we talk about hoarding assets. That's what I like about Torch GM. He doesn't hoard them; he uses them. But you talk about there, you've got Hunter, Reddish, Herter, Collins. If you want to go and get a star, a big star, you've got a package. You've got the assets to do it, and you've got the big man Oyeka Kongu. Yeah, that, that, let, let's just say Bradley Beal becomes available. That's what I was going to say. I, yeah. I know I've mentioned him a lot, but I am a big fan, and I think he'd be better alongside Trey, and he was alongside Wall. But if you offer them a Kongwu, Reddish, Herter, a, a Collins would be a lot, but let's say you did. That's a hell of a package for the Wizards. Yeah. And I don't think any other team can even come close to matching that. Because when they took a Kongwu, I think people were surprised because they just traded for Capella. John Collins is is um, eligible for the max soon. I think he wants it. Yeah. Uh, I I do think he's a max player, by the way. I think he's that good. I think he's uh, super efficient. But like with a Kongwu, they just went for the best player available. They're not thinking, well, we've got two bigs. They're thinking, yeah. well, actually, he is. He was the best player available at the time. He's the best asset. So they didn't draft a fit. They drafted for the best. And that's just proof that this front office is really changing things in Atlanta. Because yeah, yeah. I always remember when I got into basketball, they, their best players were Joe Johnson and Josh Smith. And they were <laughs> yeah. renowned every year for finishing as the sixth seed. That was what yeah. they did. They were good, but they never made any moves to improve. This front office now, they're aggressive, they're ambitious, and people should look out because they're going to be really good uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. I think um, when you bring up that they've got the assets to trade for a superstar or a disgruntled superstar, that's, I think, the next step that they're going to take. And you speak of the ambition. I think his name Travis Schlank. Yep. I believe Schlank. that's the GM. He is, um, he's shown the ambition to, you know, want to improve the team. You know, they've got young guys, but he's, uh, you know, motivated to improve the team. So that's, that's yeah. lovely to see him, man. But how do you feel about the Hawks, Daniel? Nah, I literally echo everything Joe said. I think this is the best Hawks team I've seen since the, um, the Bud Hawks team with all the All-Stars, Millsap, Horford, that were getting to the playoffs, getting knocked out by LeBron. Um, I think this team can really do something in the East. I think they're a bit, like what the Suns are in the Western Conference for me. They could be a very, very bad matchup for a team in the playoffs. Like you just don't know what to expect from them. You don't know if there could be any breakout stars from these one of these. Because you know, when you have so many young guys who are quality, 
you can almost bank on one of them, probably John Collins, being the one to rise to the occasion and get like increase in his output and whatnot. So I think that the Hawks have a great chance this season. I'm not a believer in Lloyd Pierce. I think they can get a very uh, a better coach. Um, I, I think. Yeah, I think in his first year, what, 29 wins? This year, they had 20 wins. So, they were basically on pace to do the same thing. Um, so, I think, yeah. I think even if that, I don't, I don't know. I think they should change their coach. I just don't think Lloyd Pierce can get the best out of the team that they currently have. Obviously, they will need a reason to let go of him. But, yeah, I, I think he has to make the playoffs. As in, that's just a bare minimum for this for this roster. And yeah, they can be they can be that little thorn, and it's something to build on. And again, like you said, they've got a package where they can they can literally um, package something quality for for a star player. You know, yeah, you just never know. I mean, I, I had someone who suggested they basically give that the house, so include John Collins for James Harden. I think that would be dumb, but I, I don't think you should do that. James Harden, Trey Young, it, it kind of weird it, fit. Yeah, it's a weird fit, but. I mean, that's that's literally how good their young players are, and the package they have available for a star who could become available. So they've they've got they've they're in a they're in prime position. Yeah, I think they're interesting name as well when you bring up James Harden because they're probably one of the few teams who can put together, you know, uh, a nice package to where the Rockets would be like, "Cool, oh, like we'll take this." There's not yeah. a lot of teams that can put together that kind of package. But um, last couple teams got to touch on the 76ers. They managed to get rid of Al Horford and his contract. You bring in Danny Green, you bring in Seth Curry. Um, who else did they get? They brought in, they got Terrence Ferguson in that trade as well. And you also um, signed Dwight Howard in free agency. So, um, Joe, how do you feel about the Sixers, man? So they're trying to get some spacing for Ben and Joel. You know, that's how they've done that. Yeah, they had a good draft as well. Uh, Tyrese Maxey and Isaiah Joe were two players I thought would go a lot higher than they did. So they got Isaiah Joe in the late second. I thought they would take him in the late first, but he was still there at the end. Uh, they they did well. Like the thing with the Sixers is, yeah, they did well to get out of Al Horford. He was a disaster. I think he will go down as one of the worst free agency signings in NBA history. Yeah. Not because he's a bad player. He'll be good next year, by the way. Like it's not like he turned into, you know, a bum who averages two points per game. Like he's he's still good, and he's going to be good wherever he plays. Um, but the fit alongside Joel, you've got two players there who can shoot threes, but they're not they're not guys Shooters. I would scheme open for a three, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. like if they're your fifth best shooter, that's fine. And they can hit some. But like Seth Curry has he's been a player I've supported for a while back in the Sacramento days when there's a famous interview where basically George Carl, who was the Kings coach, hated him. And Cousins came out after he'd hit a big shot and said, you know, no matter what our coach says, you're going to be a player in this league for a long time. So I've always supported him. He's a great shooter. And he's a great professional as well. I think I'm not big on Dot Rivers, but if you've got there now, you've got Simmons and Embiid and you've surrounded them with shooting. I still don't think they have quite enough playmaking. I think that's what they miss with Butler is the other guy who can take over the offense. But, you know, they're going to be good. They're running it back. I still don't think they're a contender. I think they're going to win probably between 43 and 46 games, probably go out in the second round. But, you know, they've got a chance because Ben and Joel can grow. And if you've put, got better pieces around them, they might actually take a step forward that they didn't last year, but they were never going to with the way the roster was built. 
Yeah, exactly. I think Seth Curry is a is a is an underrated pickup because I feel like he can be the secondary playmaker as well. You know, he's obviously more of a shooter, but if you do put the ball in his hands, he can um you know demand a double team coming off a screen. He can knock down a shot if he can um improve with that because you know um Embiid and Reddick had one of the best um two man game plays in the league when they were together. Yeah. So you know if they can replicate that. Then boom, you 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 get um, unlock Joel Embiid once again. Hopefully, get him back to maximum capacity, and um, you know you improved your shooting as well. Danny Green improves the defense on the wing. So um, yeah, man, I think they made some nice moves as well. Daniel, how do you feel about the Sixers? Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's, it's more of the same. I mean, I think I was a bit um, rash. When the season ended, I was definitely of the mindset, especially when Harden became available as well. I was of the mindset you trade one of them, and I, I would trade Ben Simmons. You pair Harden with Embiid. Um, but when when I when I think back to it, when I've reflected and done a deeper dive into it, um, the 2017-2018 season, Ben Simmons and Embiid were very very efficient together. So it's not like they can't play together. But as the team has been constructed year after year they've constructed a a more crowded team in the paint guys who need to do work in the paint they haven't surrounded the team with shooters so i'll be interested to see what doc rivers is able to do with ben simmons and Embiid. we've never seen um doc rivers kind of create a championship team as in like the the young as in their young stars, and then create them, develop them into that. It's more been finished products. The Celtics, obviously, the Clippers. He was, they thought he was gonna finish product, win them the chip. But obviously, that didn't happen. So, for me, it's just about seeing what Doc Rivers can do. And I think this job will really tell me, because I'm not a Doc Rivers fan, but it will really tell me how good of a coach Doc Rivers is. Because I, I do think he's a tad bit on the overrated side. But obviously, we'll see like, how, how he does with this job. I think the 76ers have as good a chance as anyone in the Eastern Conference at getting to the finals. I actually think they can get to the finals. It just depends on who they play, how they are playing as well. I think the way they went out in the bubble was just sad. It was it was really, really... It, it was a difficult watch. Let me, let me I'll call it that. It was a difficult watch. They were just terrible, man. They were terrible in that Literally. series. So... Yeah, and I li- look, I like the Danny Green pickup. I like the Seth Curry pickup. It, it stretches the floor. They need space. Ben Simmons needs space, and Bede needs a bit of space. And we'll see what happens. And when when I when I deep it, I'd be surprised if they do the Harden trade because obviously they want to give um, Doc Rivers the chance. chance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. New coach to work with the two franchise players. Yeah, I think I, f- I think Joel. Like is gonna have a monster season next year, man. But you know, we he needs to get in shape, and that's on Doc Rivers for me to make that happen, man. But um, last team we're gonna touch on, man. You mentioned it, Daniel. You know, Michael Jordan has pulled not even a rabbit out the hat. Would you? I don't know. He pulled the Brinks truck out the hat to pay Gordon Hayward, who signed a four-year one twenty. He opted out of um thirty plus with the Celtics, ended up getting four years one twenty with the Hornets. Um, obviously, they drafted Lamelo Ball with the number three pick, I believe it was. So, um, yeah, man, how do you, how do you guys feel about Joe, what I'm, Michael Jordan has done? Joe, I'm going to give you the the final take on this, but I have to get in. Like, obviously, you know when Max Kellerman says, "Yeah, that M- Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan of bad ownership." Yeah, the thing is, like, you don't understand how true that is for me in my mind. Like, 
you think he does one good thing in not giving as 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 mad as it is. Yes, Kemba is the best ever Hornets player, whatever kind of accolade that is. That's cool. Um, you think it's it's a smart Them decision. Little jabs there, They're little jabs there. <laughs> it's a smart decision. You you give yourself space. You give yourself room to acquire some sort of star, and especially when you you drafted well, Lamelo Ball is going to put money in his pockets. He's going to bring like fill up the seats. Drafted he, PJ Washington, Miles exactly. Devonte Graham as well looks like a Devontae very Graham. very good player. Player, and then you go and give Gordon Hayward a hundred. This is why I said Jordan Hayward has hoaxed the lead because the league because. He's a one-time All-Star off of the back of that great season he had with the Jazz. But apart from that, he's done nothing. He's actually done nothing. And unfortunately for him, yes, he got injured in his first season with the Celtics, so we didn't really get to see much of him there. I think the Celtics, and that's something we didn't mention a lot, the Celtics were, it was bad for them to not get anything for Hayward, especially when Hayward was probably their best shot creator on that team. He was definitely what, like number one shot creator on that team for everyone else. He was the silent assassin on that team. Like, he he had a very big role. Yes, his scoring dipped, but he was doing a lot for the Celtics. And, I mean, he's he's gone, he's gone. He's basically gone to get paid. He's seen it as, rah, like, I'm getting this amount of money. And, Can't turn that money down. Do you know what I'm saying? And I won't, oh. say, it's, I won't say it's as bad as paying. I've seen bad contracts. Horford, Horford Batum, Barnes. I won't say it's as bad as that, but it's it's definitely within that ballpark because paying Gordon Hayward four year one hundred and twenty mil is is borderline unbelievable for me. Like it, it makes absolutely no sense. Even when he opted out, I was surprised, but then I thought, oh, it's because he wants to go to the Pacers and the Pacers are ready to offer him a bit more money. But one hundred and twenty mil, ah, uh, that that is when like desperation doesn't even do that deal justice. That's way out of line for me it's important like it's bad yeah that's the problem with um owners especially owners who are ex-players like interfering with the front office operations is that they just want to win and hayward is going to help them win like they're going to be a borderline playoff team next year you know because the thing with him is he's an easy fit alongside other players because he doesn't demand the ball and he's efficient with it he's not a 30 million pound player i don't some have argued that it doesn't make sense to pair him with ball. I don't I don't agree with that. I think he's not going to take the ball out of Lamelo's hands and Lamelo doesn't need fifty percent usage to develop. You can develop in a smaller usage role. Mm. I just for me, they I agree with you that they were on kind of the right path. Devonte for a second round pick was, you know, really good. Uh PJ Washington's gonna be a really good player as well. Uh, Bridges has some athleticism, you know, he could develop into a role player. But, like, it's not just this free agency contract. Cody Zeller's on, like, 15 million. Nick Batum is owed 29 million this year. Biz McBeyond. Yeah, Biz. Uh, they've given out so many bad contracts, and it's not a cliche. And we kind of have to talk about it because the buck does stop with the owner. And it's yeah. because I think as soon as he sees them put out some form of a winning product, he's like, right, I'm good with that. I want to win. But the thing is, the contracts he gives out are to players who aren't going to improve. He gives people big contracts. Like Batum was good. Yeah, I think the thing with Batum is because he got that big contract, that's all everyone's going to remember. But when he was in Portland, he was a good player and he was good yeah. for Charlotte. Yeah. But like, you. I think with Jordan, he needs to allow an owner to build through the draft. Yeah. 
build assets and to be patient, but he's not got any patience. And that's what wants the pro- to win now. And that's what the problem is to piggyback off you, Joe. Like the patience that he lacks is 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 borderline like scary. Like relax, you're you're in charge of this huge um, organization where patience is what is gonna get you to the top. Like that's what got the Warriors to the top. Patience. The Warriors before Curry were terrible. Like it's patience. It's what they did after that, and they saw the vision and were ready to play the long game. I don't think Jordan is ready to play the long game, and he's hindering um, his team right now. Like the dishing out of bad contracts, like Gordon Hayward. Yeah, look, I don't want to knock the guy. He's he's never he's probably never going to see this podcast. But the thing is, he's a player who, in his what two years at the Celtics, he would he's gone through injuries. You can't give a player who is a one-time All-Star, hasn't really been fit for two full seasons, 120 mil. Because if he gets injured, hopefully not, because no one wishes injury on any player. But if he was to get injured in that first year, you then become what? A lottery team, Lamelo, PJ, Devontae, just a bunch of young stars who don't really have a vision, direction, no one to guide them, lead them. Like you just don't know where it's all about direction with NBA teams. And can you clear? Can you currently say that there's direction with the Hornets? Like when it comes to the Hornets, the Cavs, the Pistons, and the Knicks, like it's really tough to see who's the bottom of that power because they all lack direction. Nah, facts, man. But um, yeah, man, we'll end it there. Boy, we went around the league, man. Uh, as I said uh, before we got into it, it's one of the maddest free agencies in NBA history. So um, yeah, it was great going around the league with you guys, grading all the all the teams. Obviously, we appreciate you coming on, Joe. Appreciate your insight. Um, hopefully, the, the Mavs do land the honest because I know that would be super fun to cover. Yeah, but, um, make sure you follow us on as on of all TV on Twitter, Instagram, um, sure. um, on YouTube as well. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, do all of that good stuff for us. It helps us in the analytics, just know what we need to bring out for you guys. Also, um, if you want to listen to the full um, edition of this podcast, you're gonna have to listen to the audio version. There will be a shorter version released on YouTube. So Obviously, that's going to be a good one for those who love the visuals, but those who like the podcast can listen to the full version of it. It's going to be on um, our link tree. You can get on Spotify, get on Apple Podcasts, get on Google Podcasts as well. Definitely going to be bringing Joe back on when we preview the season, when we actually know the rosters, know everyone who's available to everyone. And yeah, besides that, Darren, you got anything else to add? We're going back to back, baby. We're going back <laughs> to back, baby. <laughs> For real, man. LeBron is looking, looking, it's looking good, man. But yeah, as on the ball, we out. Deuces.